when people work their day-to-day job mm-hmm. there's something about movies and tv that lights up their conversations man yes there's just something about it i'm super excited for this film to come to fruition i think this is going to definitely be a game changer for me and i licked her put my tongue right on her face like, ah. <laughs> and she started crying but she stayed in character it's important to especially in your close inner circle to have people who are really going to lift you up sir i'd like to uh Continue our discussion by talking about sex. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about sex, <laughs> Indeed. I want to make music for the for the person that's at home that's had a rough day. Yeah. You can just go into that zone. There has to be life out there. I definitely don't feel like we're alone at all. Yeah. We exhibit so many different extraterrestrial traits. You and we create magic. We create this story. That's I, I just. I'm very grateful. It's important to know how to work for room. It's important to know how to interact with executives, how to interact with your agent or manager, how to get to a place where, you know, when they see you on their phone sheet, they're not cringing. For the most part, I just watched and learned and just got better at it. Because sometimes you're so excited about the idea, you just want to get it out there. But you have to let it breathe for a while. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Cinema After Dark podcast. My name is Max Cole, and I am the host and producer of this show. I'm broadcasting from the entertainment capital of the world, sunny Los Angeles, California. The sun has set, and the moonlight is upon us. I want to thank you so much for joining me on this broadcast tonight. I want to remind all of you that you can listen to all the episodes of this show if you subscribe to our podcast and iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Remember, if you or someone you know wants to be a guest on this show, make sure you reach out to me via the contact link on our website at cinemaafterdark.com. Just make sure you have some skin in the game prior to reaching out. And by skin in the game, you need to have a few credits under your belt. We certainly value that for credibility. I also strongly encourage you to follow us on Twitter at Cinema After Dark for the latest show updates. This is an information and discussion-based show. We do not censor ourselves, and we certainly do not censor our guests. So please keep in mind that the views and opinions expressed on the show may not reflect the views and opinions of the host. We have a wonderful guest tonight by the name of Nia Fairweather. And let me tell you a little bit about Miss Fairweather. Nia Fairweather is an award-winning actress. She's the writer and producer of Ordeal, the viral filmic adaptation of her monologue of the same name. Her work has been featured at Festival de Cannes, American Black Film Festival, Urban World Film Festival, Martha's Vineyard African American Film Festival, and Black Star Film Festival. She's appeared on HBO, Cinemax, CBS, Aspire TV, BET, Centris, and Creative Control. The Fairweather lends her time, talents, and energy supporting other storytellers who are committed to being positive change agents both locally and globally. He graduated from the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and holds a bachelor's degree in marketing and fine arts from Hofstra University. I'm really excited to have her on the program and this is that part of the show where I ask that you make that fresh batch of popcorn, sit back, relax, and get a little comfortable. 
while you listen to tonight's guest. Welcome to the Cinema After Dark podcast. I'm so glad to have you on the program this evening. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be in conversation with you this evening. My gosh, I <laughs> am a fan of your work, Miss. You are doing some stellar things. I obviously stumbled across you after bringing Miss uh, Sinead Williams on the show. And God, I saw you in paralysis and I was like, oh my God, I have got to bring her on this <laughs> program and it's so cool to have you here i I really appreciate you taking the time out again it's it's wonderful oh thank you for your kind words and um i appreciate it and yeah um uh, and thank you for creating a space for artists like myself and and robin and everyone else that you've had on your show to to just share so i'm excited and thank you well it is my pleasure and well gosh i love to start these discussions by really giving our listeners some context. Would you mind kind of giving us an idea of where you were born and raised and how you got started in the entertainment industry? Sure. Well, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, in East Flatbush, Uh predominantly Caribbean, Puerto Rican, every ethnicity under the sun in my neighborhood. And that's what I grew up around. And I, I love it. And it informs so much of who I am as an individual and even as an artist growing up in a neighborhood that's as diverse as the one I grew up in and half the time not understanding what people were saying <laughs> <laughs> and being drawn to, you know, just their expression, the way in which they communicated or the different foods and just the different cultural celebrations that were just part of my neighborhood by proxy of who who lived there. Yeah. And and yeah, and I my my family's from the Caribbean. So anytime I say East Flatbush to someone from New York, their next question is, Are you from the West Indies? Is your family <laughs> what island? Yeah. And I'm like, guilty, of course. <laughs> <laughs> What's is funny, my, I'm guilty too, because I was just about to ask you that. <laughs> oh, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my dad is from Belize and my mom is from St. Vincent. Cool. And I'm first generation American. And um, and so my experience in the U.S., it's I laugh at my friends because, yes, I grew up in the United States, but my household was very much so of those two cultures. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> 100 yeah. percent. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, you know, that was the the breeding ground, right, for, right. for me and my development. And as far as getting into the business, yeah, it's. It's one of those things where I will say that I was, I don't know, called or just developed an interest. Wow. Because I didn't have any family members, no close friends, no one in my immediate circle, family, friend base, extension of my family who was in the entertainment business at all. Not an actor. Um, there are a couple of people who are musicians that like my father's friends, but no one doing what I kind of was trying to figure out for myself. Yeah. And so even growing up, I was pretty much an introvert. Wow. Surprising. My parents would say very, you know, I would say I was very shy. Hmm. I was not that kid in front of the camera. I was not hamming it up. <laughs> At all. The moment a camera came out, I would scurry off. So I was not that kid. However, I was that kid that would 
quietly try to recreate parades that I saw on TV with like my dolls and or reenacting something that I saw on television as entertainment, but Mm. more privately. Maybe my parents and my cousins could be kind of the audience, but that's literally would be like four people. That's probably (laughs) my max threshold for audience for most of my life, I would say. Yeah. So even in high school and stuff like that, where there was theater and there was performance, I was not at all interested in that. I actually was more into set design at that time. Like just how do, you know, how do you create the world? Yeah. I hadn't found my voice as an actor or knew that part of me yet. It it just was too frightening. I just didn't think it was my thing at all. Um, Although I enjoyed theater, I loved movies, I love music, I love performance and absorbing it, being the audience and being part of that story. But I was not at all interested in being the person in front of any of that. Wow, fascinating. By the way, what was it about set design that kind of caught your eye? Because that's a unique... uh... I, you know what, I've always had a fascination with design and I was always so enthralled with how did they create a world with what I'm clear is like a wall? Like, how does it have depth of field? Like, how come it looks like mountains? How does that really look like a house? Like, who did that? And how did they do that? And how did they know the angles? Like, I had so many questions about how did they create that world? Because I understood that a stage was very finite. Right. But yet once you put that backdrop there, it was an entire world. Mm-hmm. And that to me was the most amazing thing, especially even going to plays and they would change the set. And I'm like, whoa, we're in someone's room. Yeah. Like, when did yeah. that happen? <laughs> and so my my fascination with that, I think I automatically or maybe because I was just shy and just I just knew at that point I wasn't into audiences or crowds or any of that and I was like oh set design like (laughs) I would like to learn that so the one play like in school that actually helped with I like helped to paint a backdrop more like the (laughs) teacher designed it and we just colored it in right like I didn't know anything but I just wanted to be part of that experience and I loved seeing how things came together wow and so for yeah so that was it and there was a period of time at then when I thought oh i would go into interior design Mm -hmm. and maybe business and marketing like all those things just came very naturally because i didn't see when i thought of performance i thought of it like maybe you had to be like michael jackson like you have to have that personality and i just didn't feel like i was michael jackson right that was my bar (laughs) to do this you would have to be michael jackson right right (laughs) and then in my journey after like high school and you know you get to that point where you're supposed to figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. which i actually think is pretty cruel at 17 (laughs) what you want to do absolutely for the rest of your life like really this is what you want me like now what if what if i change my mind and there was a series of events in my life and in my family where there were several changes where individuals are being laid off. You know, people mm-hmm. were having a hard time finding work. Yeah. And here I, here I am to go out into this world and decide what I want to do to be part of this process, right? Gotcha. And so I think that part of me, that 
was always in tuned and kind of absorbing and observing people and understanding in that, being a witness to that, saying, huh, well, a lot of people are upset, Mm -hmm. but they are really upset, not just because of what has happened to their job, but it was very clear to me that people were upset because they had spent years doing something that they didn't love. Yeah, it's so true. And that's what I picked up on. And I was I was like, I need to figure this out because at the end of the day, if for some reason I lose the job mm-hmm. or if something happens in the way that it has for loved ones around me, then at least I can say I loved what I was doing and I can know that I did it, right? Good you point. know, yeah, and have that kind of feeling. And so in that season of trying to figure out, like decide what you want to do with your life, even though I had clearly an understanding of marketing, business, design, like I could do that with my eyes closed. I was like, at my heart, I was like, something doesn't feel 100%. Wow. And Mm -hmm. so I started on this whole journey and I had a really close friend who was like, you should journal. And I was like, but what if someone finds my journal like and see things? (laughs) And so he was like, no, trust me, just write, just start writing about everything and just writing in this book. And I was like, okay. And so I bought journal and just started writing and every day I just kept asking and exploring like what would it be like what could it be what are the things that I like and a friend was like oh have you read the alchemist and I was like no I haven't read who's read this book right like I'm like who's reading this book right at like 18 like who's reading this like I don't know <laughs> but I also love one of my favorite spaces, which it saddens me that a lot of their locations are closed in is Barnes and Noble. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I would go into the bookstore and just try to find things to read. And every time I went and I kept seeing The Alchemist, I'm like, the book you should read, <laughs> everyone should read. And to oh, make nice. a long story short, so I started writing and trying to figure out what is it and explored. I literally tested different options like, okay, nice. this, let me try it. Let me, if this is this let me try it yeah and nothing seemed to stick and then one night i'm reading the alchemist i'm writing and i was like is it and i was like acting like a voice wow. it's like a voice and it sounds yeah. very mystical but i kid you not it was like a very clear thought nice that yeah. said acting and i was like yeah that doesn't make any sense but you don't like cameras right, right. like right. how how's this going to work? And so I was like, well, I have no other options right now because I've exhausted every possibility that I thought through, that I wrote about, that I investigated and nothing seemed to kind of make sense or feel a certain way that I hadn't felt before until I said acting. And that's how their journey began. Crazy. And then (laughs) that's a unique backstory. Like it it seems like you had a moment of self-discovery, a few moments of self-discovery and it, like you kind of got the bug and were pushed towards storytelling completely wow completely yes i i yeah i I was not that person that knew at six yeah i was not yeah (laughs) (laughs) not at all well what made you feel like you could do it professionally because obviously doing it uh, and and being interested is one thing but actually going out physically making it manifest and especially in a a city like new york and and -hmm. really making an impact is no small feat. How did you make that transition? And what made you think that you could do it professionally? Yeah, that especially from somebody who really wasn't, you know, kind of more more so the shy type. 
Oh, yeah. Like an introverted personality. How in the world did you transition? <laughs> it when was did agony. It, <laughs> <laughs> it was agony. It yeah. was the great, the greatest form of agony, to be quite honest, because even with this discovery and like, okay, it's acting. Let me figure this out. Mm-hmm. Who do I ask? Yeah. I had no one in my circle to ask. And so it became a very solo journey of where do I start? Who, what do I look at? And that began with like, well, who are the people that I know of that I like, right? Mm -hmm. So much of the the movies and things that I watched were influenced in many ways by the films that, or artists that my parents had spoke about. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And also just people who I just thought were fascinating. One of yeah. them being Sidney Poitier. And oh, absolutely. So I read his book. Yeah. His book was my book. first, my acting book. I nice. would say this. I didn't know technique. Mm-hmm. I knew of Shakespeare, but in high school you had to read it. And I was, I enjoyed some of it. And some of it, I was just like, I don't understand what he's saying. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and so that wasn't, I was like, I'm not going, Shakespeare is not where I need to go. Like that's yeah. a play. I don't know if that shows you how to act. Like, I don't know where you find that. Right. And so my, literally my syllabus, if I was to <laughs> describe it as such, was Sidney Poitier's book, uh, Measure of a Man. Mm-hmm. I then l- went to Ruby D and Ozzy Davis wrote oh, nice. a book called yeah. In This Life Together. And these are, right. mind you, these are all the books that were on display in Barnes and Noble. Yeah. I'll yeah. be very clear about that. Right. right. Biographies and autobiographies. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, well, maybe if I read their story, I would see and learn what they did and who and how they went about it. And I would find clues in there. Yeah. And um, and then I read um, Gordon Parks's book, Ooh, nice. was, yeah. um, mm-hmm. A Choice of, of Weapons. Yeah. And those three books gave me such a great perspective on storytelling and journey. Uh, uh, because Sidney Poitier, um, being a Bahamian, yeah. for me, I was like, I didn't know. This is why I feel you. Like, we're yeah. both Caribbean. Like, that was my <laughs> connection to him. Yeah. Ruby D and Ozzy Davis, growing up in Brooklyn, you can't grow up in Brooklyn and not know of Spike Lee or his films. Right. Like it's just a I mean, rite of passage. And so right. I was used to seeing them in his films. And so that's how I was like, well, let me find out what they're doing because they've been doing it a long time. Clearly, because they were older. Right? Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that Spike <laughs> Spike Lee connection too. It's funny you say that. So yeah, yeah fascinating. They mm-hmm. were older, and you know, and so I was like, these are the people I need mm-hmm. to look at. And their story was interesting because here is a couple who, you know, I didn't realize how long of a journey they had together and talking yeah. about the Negro Ensemble. And I was like, wait, Negro Ensemble is in New York. It's in Harlem. And so literally, their books were my roadmaps. And so I went to Harlem. Right. I seeked out the Negro Ensemble. I found where they were located. I would walk through Harlem and the city and reference the places that they mentioned right, that still right. existed, maybe differently. Mm-hmm. Some of them are closed by the time, you know, I visited it. But it's like, oh, they said 125th and, you know, and Lennox. Like, I know where that is. Yeah. And stand in there and be like, wow, Ruby D walked down the street. My Angelou walked down the street. Yeah, like, yeah. And that became my, my thing. And so actually when I moved after drama school to Mm. out of my parents' house, I moved to Harlem. And that was why I chose Harlem because I was like, well, this is where they were and this is where I need to be. Yeah, so much (laughs) history, so much good history. And that's how I decided things is literally the breadcrumbs 
that I collected from their books and their stories. And, And that's how I was like, okay, well, there's theater companies, there's different techniques. And, and then that led me to HB Studio, which was like Uta Hagen School mm-hmm. in, in the lower, in the Greenwich Village kind of area. Yeah. Little did I know, I didn't know who Uta Hagen was mm-hmm. when I walked into that studio. I walked in being like, this is an acting studio and this is what's next in my journey and road mapping of yeah. how to be an actor. <laughs> like, where do you find this? Right. And only to find out once I was there and people kept saying, you should read Uta Hagen's book. And I was, uh, you know, on method acting. Did I realize that's whose studio I was in? I had no idea who this woman was. But even when that moment when I thought acting in my heart, I knew I was a capable actor. Wow. What I didn't have was. I don't want to say it wasn't a lack of, maybe in some cases, a lack of confidence, but a lack of confidence because I didn't know anything about it other than what I had experienced when Mm -hmm. I watched it and what I felt privately in my own reenactments of it and how I felt whenever I saw things. Like I cried when I watched like Annie and I was very upset that daddy Warbucks didn't take more kids. Like, (laughs) I was like, why did he only take one child? Like, I couldn't wrap my mind. Like, but what about the other ones? Like, so I had these very intense emotional responses to these stories. So I knew I was capable, but it wasn't until I started to kind of go through these artists and people who I admire and whose work I enjoyed Mm -hmm. reading their story and following some of their breadcrumbs, which then led to my own. Yeah. And that's how I found, you know, how I ended up at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York was I got to a point where I went through the entire program Mm -hmm. at HB Studio in a very short period of time because I kept saying you're beyond this point. Right. right. And I didn't know what that meant, but I was like, yay, next level. Like, (laughs) it was like a game to me. Like, okay, let's go. And it's like my one thing, because it was, again, this was a very solo journey because no friends of mine were going through this experience. No one understood what it was. Yeah. My parents were kind of like, but what? Like, you know, my mom was kind of a, a little bit more apprehensive. My yeah. dad was kind of more of the, you'll figure it out. Kind of yeah. like, I'll <laughs> let you figure this out. My mom was kind of a little bit more vocal about her concerns. Yeah. What were their concerns? Because I find that very common. It seems that, you know, our parents, their generation just didn't have these particular types of opportunities, nor could they really see them as something they could do. Uh, financially or the the whole creative thing just wasn't an option for many of the previous generation, especially people of color, very difficult too. Mm -hmm. So yeah. What was their sort of response to that? With my parents, and this is hindsight understanding, right? Because at the time when I was going through this, I just didn't understand what the problem was. Like it was definitely a little bit of a, a conflict I'm the youngest of four. Yeah, cool. And so, um, and my my dad had a previous marriage. So I'm the only one for my mom, right? Mm, yeah. And so mm-hmm. at the time, I think my dad, and this may just be his personality. It may be because he okay. had three other kids before me, Yeah, you know, where he was kind of like, all right, I'm going to let, he gave me the, the room to kind of figure this out. That's cool though. 
Yeah. My mom, on the other hand, again, both my parents came to the U.S., you know, mm-hmm. and so I think with that, it was always with the intention to lay down the foundation so that your child can have a more stable livelihood yeah, life. than right. you did. Right. You know, you're setting up for 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 this next generation. Yeah. And so I didn't see what I was about to pursue as being unstable. Right. Because for me, it was butterflies and joy. And I was like so happy to figure out life. Like I felt like I figured out life. Yeah. So to be met with my mom's concern about why, you know, why that choice? What about, you know, your your schooling and business? Like what about all these other things? Mm -hmm. And she just had such opposition and I didn't understand it. Yeah. Hindsight. I understood that as an actor and as an artist, there's a a level of instability that could be concerning to a parent. Hindsight, I can understand that now. Then I just thought she was irrational. I was just like, you don't get it. Like, what are you talking about? You're trying like, this is my life. Like, I had many a monologues and soapbox moments around this (laughs) because we just, I just didn't understand it. And I felt so so excited and and vulnerable and i wasn't sure what was next but it felt 100% right yeah. and so to be met with not the kind of support i expected mm-hmm. was very was disappointing and i would say disheartening to a certain extent yeah i understand that cuz i had you know, similar mm-hmm. experience so so i totally understand that. i think there's a lot of people out here have had that experience kind of glad you you're speaking about that because it is something that happens and it's amazing i find that you were resilient through that a lot of folks i think would have uh maybe turned the other way and said you know maybe this isn't a good idea so it's interesting how parental influence can impact our decisions uh just that fear of potentially failure um or not having a, the type of future that you want or you know not leading to gainful employment a lot of different variables uh, but you still kept at it so that's that's interesting. Yeah, I think for me, having seen and the experience of watching people who had lost jobs mm-hmm. and just the impact that had on me and being an observer of that, right? The yeah. varying degrees. And I mean, friends of mine, other relatives, like I, just watching these adults around us go through these things, it yep. was it was such a terrifying experience in my heart. I knew that part of that anger was the unfulfillment of, of having done and just been in a job for years to bring that paycheck home, but not being fulfilled. Yeah. And that to me, I, at my core felt that that would be more crushing in my life. And like, if I looked back when I was 85 to just do a job and get paid, whatever that is for the stability, all the things that people say you should, yeah. and yet you're advised to really, you're advised to at like yeah. whatever 17, 18 year old to make these choices mm-hmm. that are relatively, now you could say safe, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, with quotes. And I was, <laughs> right, with quote quotes unquote, and everything yeah. around me was like, nothing about what you're saying is actually safe because right. I'm seeing how unsafe the safe thing you're saying is. Right, exactly. I feel and the so, same way, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just because it's like you can work somewhere, you could slave at that job, and at the end of the day, they can put the the old corporate knife in your back no matter what, and you come out of it feeling unfulfilled sometimes, and, and oftentimes, you might as well do what you want in life and do what makes you feel good. I think that's so key 
you know, you knew that acting made you feel good and it was something that you wanted to continue to pursue because of the way it made you feel. And that's completely. Yeah, that's so um, Mm -hmm. fantastic. Yeah, it was all about the feeling. And I think in many ways, I mean, I feel like Sidney Poitier, Ruby D, Ozzy Davis, Gordon Parks and Dorothy Dandridge, whose biography I read, um, which was written by Donald Bogle, I want to say is his last name. And reading their stories and what they had gone through and how they persevered, honestly, in many ways, they became like my fairy godparents during that time (laughs) because I had their stories to prove some of what I was being told by others, you know, not just my parents, there are other people who were also discouraging me, you know, mm-hmm. in different ways. Yeah. And those individuals became my fairy godparents through this because I was like, well, they did it. Yeah. So like, yeah. I can do it. And then I feel really damn good when I'm doing it. Hell so, like, yeah. I need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Salute to that. Now, now <laughs> I completely hear you on that. Now, we're going to fast forward here several sure. years. And now that you've been doing this thing, is there anything you wish you kind of would have known about the industry that you've kind of learned throughout the years? No, there is nothing yeah. I wish I had known about the industry. Wow. Because everything about my journey and how I got to where I am now, at the time, they were some of them were really challenging. Yeah. I truly believe it has added to my character, not only as a person, Mm -hmm. but how I show up to each project and story that I'm a part of. And had I had someone to usher me through this, had I been part of a family that was already in the industry, Mm -hmm. I may not have had the learnings that I had in the way that I had them and in the way in which I absorbed and learned from them in the same way. And there's nothing about the industry per se that I would, I wish I had known before. Would you have taken any shortcuts if you had an opportunity? If you could just rewind the clock or would you? Uh, shortcuts? Yeah. I think every now and then I think about like, what if, what would be the benefit if I had, if I was like a child actor, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think about that. And then, but I also look at some of the individuals who were child actors yeah. who didn't have that chance to just be kids and to a certain extent, just learn and live life a little bit. And there's some who where they've gone on and have had really full lives. And there's some who are still trying to relive or regain that part of their life that they didn't get to live out. Right. right, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so every time I kind of, there are moments when I think back to them, like, man, if they say it takes 20 years, like, (laughs) I could have been in, you know, further along into my 20 years, you know, closer to that 20 year mark had I started younger. But um, yeah, I don't know. Shortcuts? No. If anything, there's moments where I would like to travel back to a time just to meet certain people. Right. Because to have the opportunity to work with them. Yeah. Not necessarily a shortcut. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But like, I would have loved to work with like, Ruby D and Ozzy, like oh my, yeah. I, I would just melt. I just yeah. stand there. Like it's that kind of <laughs> stuff where I, to just I just that part of me that wants to say, do you know? Like you were my acting teacher. Oh, like yeah. do you know? So that if anything, there's more moments where I think like, man, what if I was around when they were around right. in their heyday doing things? Like that's where I go to in that imaginative part of it. Right now, how do you book jobs? I know that's a question that many 
have and wonder. It's kind of like that. I don't know. It kind of it's, it's it's always a big question mark. How do people book jobs? Is there a method to it for you? Do you have an agent or a manager? Do you just audition to opportunities when you see them pop up? Mm-hmm. What's your process like in terms of finding work, which is often the most difficult thing to do sometimes. Sure. Yeah. I I mean, I think if there was a formula and I knew it, I'd be selling that because that would be a cash cow, right? (laughs) Ain't that the truth? (laughs) Maybe someone in Silicon Valley is thinking of an app that allows us to do this and I hope they put it out, right? You know, Um, (laughs) it it varies to be quite honest. I have gotten work through representation. I've actually gotten more work on my own. Good, good. Yeah. When it comes to like theatrical work, I've gotten a lot of opportunities that came from work I'd previously done. That, I will say, has been the number one avenue for me with new opportunities that have arised and new collaborations. I would say... And I can attest to that, by the way, because I've seen you on screen and I'm like, oh my, I'm just like, your previous work, every performance is an opportunity really to show people what you can do. And uh, something about you that I was telling Arshanae this, that, like I see you on screen and I I'm drawn to you. There's certain people that have that it factor. It's very hard to describe, but there's something about you on screen that stops me from moving. That's, mm. that's when oh. I know that person's got it. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. Absolutely. It's not something that you can teach. I think some people just have it and some people don't. And I'm sure there's a lot of things that go into that. But there is a quality mm-hmm. that you have that I think is rather unique. As you were saying, so your previous work really has helped open up some doors. Oh, I would say somewhere but at least 85, 90 percent of the work that I do get yeah. comes from my previous work and which has led to either there are people right now who I haven't worked with yet, but we've become friends because we've seen each other's work. Right. And I trust and I know that when that opportunity comes, we will work together. Yeah. And a lot of my work has come that way. I've definitely have had, you know, my fair share of managers and agents and working with people. And what I've learned through this is that it's not necessarily the agency, right? It doesn't have to be the the names that we all know. Mm-hmm. It's really about people getting who you are Absolutely. and their ability to one know how to present you and in some cases sell you, right? As it may yeah. be to mm-hmm. casting directors or studios, but also who can see eye to eye with the kind of work that you want to do and what your integrity is as an actor, as a, as an artist, right? What kind of stories you want to tell? What are the things that get you really excited? What are the the next challenges you want to welcome? You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and your and reputation think, too, and, and yeah. your reputation. Yeah. But I, I do think. I think your work um, naturally is then builds your reputation. Right. Um, and I do think that reputation then draws more people to you. But I do think even in that, mm-hmm. um, you do have to suss out the people who are in alignment with what you want to do and those who aren't, you right. know, mm-hmm. because I think that also matters about your experience in the collaboration. Like I truly see every opportunity and every story that I've worked on as a collaboration. Oh, no doubt. And, right. and I'm, it's like a team and I'm ready and I'm just excited to, to be part of it and to walk into someone else's words. I think 
to me, that's a huge responsibility. And not only huge responsibility and like this is a weighted thing, but like almost like an honor yeah. to be able to, for someone to entrust me with their words, their character, this person they've created who may be part of them and people close to them or maybe completely imagination, but they're entrusting me to lift that into a human and create a human being. Right. Like, I do not take that lightly. Yeah. And so every time that I read a story or I'm presented with something, or even if I seek out something, it's like, mm -hmm. I really believe and I want to share. I want to do this. Let's like, let's, let's bring this to life together. Yeah. And I respect um, the craft. I can tell. I, oh, I respect the craft. Like yeah. I, I always say I'm, I'm always in the gym. Yeah. Let's be clear. Like yeah. I'm always lifting my weights. I'm always <laughs> like, I'm always nice. looking, learning, reading, I'm exploring, like that is a constant for me. And yeah. it may not be the thing that I'm sharing most often because that's like, that's like, I'm going to the gym. You don't need to know all of that. But yeah. like, it's such a part of, I love this craft. I love what I do. And I take it with the utmost seriousness and sincerity and just all the responsibility that comes with it. Because I know what it takes to write a right, story. Right. It's an extremely vulnerable process for people to write yeah. and to put this on a page and then to say, hey, you, I think you're my person. Can you do this? <laughs> and then if you say yes, you better be like ready and game to go wherever that story takes you to make it as truthful as possible. Right. Because it has worked for me and because I've been given great advice and counsel and they, you know, they say work begets more work. And I think there was a period of time where I thought, oh, you just have to be working a lot. And I realized mm -hmm. very quickly, no, it's about the quality of the work that you're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Because there are definitely individuals that we know and whose work we've seen that we may not see them every year. But when they do come out, yeah. it is a performance that point. you are just... Yep. You have all your popcorn and raisinets, everything ready to like, <laughs> just be part of it. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so it's because I'm inspired by those performances mm -hmm. that I feel like it's my duty. And if I'm calling myself an actor, a storyteller and being part of this craft and industry that I have to uphold, you know, yeah. that thing that is sacred for us, which is to tell the truthful story salute to that yeah that is the truth right there i love that you just said that there's some people that are just in the right place i think and mm. also the right space creatively i'll put it that way their energy is a good energy and it's something that i think you can even feel metaphysically even through your correspondence with that individual or when you see that person on screen so it's really fascinating hearing your perspective on that now is there a role or a character that you've played that has been one of your favorites recently because i know you've got some some really good oh. stuff out there so i mean <laughs> is there anything that sticks off because i that's a hard question to answer I'm favorite sure. yeah oh man well i will say hmm i've been really fortunate and and having the opportunity to play some some amazing, amazing, amazing individuals to walk in their shoes. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I mean, some of my, ooh, some of my favorites. The funniest thing was I went in for a play once um, for a, a female lead, well, supporting role, mm -hmm. and ended up being cast as the lead role, which was an eleven-year-old nice. boy. 
Wow. Fascinating. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> um, it was so fascinating because I read for my part and yeah. then I think they either actors were delayed or whatever. And they asked, oh, would you mind reading for Jared? Just reading the part opposite this guy who's playing your father. And I, I mean, I had read the play and I was like, sure. And so I went full on 11 year old, just, you know, playing yeah. around and when they called and offered me the part as Jared, I was like, wait, the 11 year old boy? Like, really? <laughs> I was so Crazy. surprised, but it was so much fun to play an 11 year old. D like, put gender aside, just to be an 11 year old when you're not 11 is kind of amazing. Yeah. Like, that was like a gift without knowing it was a gift at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I went all the way 11 year old. I had so much fun with that project. And, <laughs> but as, in addition to that, I would say oh, probably, oh, I don't, yeah, that's a tough one because yeah. even Jessica and paralysis yeah. just require different things. Yeah. Playing Dawn in row effect mm -hmm. um, yeah. required a lot of different subtleties that Jessica, you know, had different things. Well, here's the question for you then, because mm -hmm. I know that's a tough question to answer. So, what is it that attracts you when you see that text? What does it attract you to that character from an acting standpoint? Is there anything that you know sticks out to you right away? Is it the character depth? Is it their backstory? What is it that really gets those juices flowing? Mm, yeah, I, my first gut kind of indicator is if I read it and I say, well, how are you going to do that? Yeah. Then I'm like, okay, then you need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm like, well, how, if, I start, if I'm reading the script, am I first thoughts and questions are well how how did that happen how did she get there yeah i wonder what happened here well why did she say this oh well oh you know when i start having those kind of dialogues while i'm reading a story mm -hmm. and in and reading through and living in a script yeah that's when i start to know like okay i'm curious the moment i'm curious to a point where i'm asking questions and and reading and sussing out the answers wow then I'm very clear that, okay, this is something I need to really consider because yeah. I have the questions. And then, especially if some of those questions are like, but how, wait, how, mm, how do you show that? Like, what is that <laughs> feeling? The moment I started talking about like, what is that? Oh, why do I feel this way? Or yeah. if I start to feel very, very vulnerable in reading it, if I feel any kind of emotions, be it, um, be it sadness, joy, Anything that if I am moved in any way, even if I'm moved to laughter, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, there's something here. It's connected with me in a certain way. Yeah. Um, so it's feelings, but, those emotions then. That's what gravitates oh, you. It's, oh, it's definitely in my yeah, gut. Yeah, absolutely. I leave it in my gut on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I believe that's what audiences want too. That's what we want mm -hmm. to experience. We want material that makes us feel a certain way. We can connect with that character or that situation that's what cinema is all about. That's the power of cinema. I feel that our feelings and our and our uh, dark our, our expressions, what we see visually, our senses. It's a very sensory experience. It's I don't know. It's fascinating. It's it's good hearing your perspective that from an acting standpoint because I feel like when you're there and when you're in that zone and where you're really vibing and you feel that character and what that character is going through and you're able to project that on screen that's when the movie magic happens that's mm -hmm. what draws us to cinema and uh yeah it's, it's interesting hearing your um perspective on that the feelings the emotions i know uh 
DK was on the show and he's like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I loved when he said that because I could feel what he was saying. And that's, mm. that's the beauty of cinema. It's, uh, ah, it's just powerful. So I'm glad you said that. You're getting me all stirred up here. I, I start <laughs> to get excited when I start talking to uh, people who have this kind of energy. It, it excites me to say the least. Now, is there a character or a role that you've wanted to play, but you haven't had the opportunity to play that yet? Anything in mind that you've wanted to do just from a role standpoint, generically? From a role? Oh, yeah, yeah I could say generically for sure. Um, I, I'm ready to... I want to kick some ass. Like, I love action. <laughs> Let's be clear. Like yeah. I would love to. I love that. A reason to do somebody's back <laughs> flip or whatever. Put yeah. me on a motorcycle. Like I'm, I'm, I am excited about that prospect. Nice. As well as um, the opportunity to do some more comedy. You know, I'm yeah. definitely. Um, I, I love a lot of British comedies and humor. Oh, okay. um, more, you know, along dark comedy. Like, really. I like dark comedies. I yeah. like really witty, well-written, um, not so much like slapstick as much, like, mm -hmm. although I think it has its place, but the right. stuff that I get excited about when you're just laughing because it's yeah. just so human and just, just, just so witty and it's just well done. Right. 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 And so, yeah. And I think my body of work right now definitely is a little bit more dramatic. Oh, yeah. And um, I think when people see my, my work they're like oh we need her for drama and i'm mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm i'm waiting for that person I'm like okay well i know if you can do this you must be hella funny <laughs> like i'm waiting for the person it's so, you so need to, funny you need to be so you need to stop being so damn good in these dramatic roles my god <laughs> you just got a tank but one I now love, oh my gosh but i love drama i mean i started in theater right yeah, and so yeah. like I come from that that place of knowing <laughs> what it's like to know an entire play, you know, just right. so you can be and give cues in case somebody else goes up on their line or if, you know, just knowing the whole story, like you're in that world. Right. So I love theater. And I think um, for with me, I, I and it must be what my professor saw at that time. And then when people saw my work, they're like, all right, she can do high drama. Let's get her. <laughs> Which I don't, I mean, I love that because it is, you know, challenging to, um, and a, and a, a sense of responsibility to, to own that 100% and be truthful. Absolutely. Um, right. and, and to go wherever the drama is taking you. Um, mm -hmm. But I also, yeah, I look forward to um, being able to go wherever the laughter takes you, too. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and good wherever hard my motorcycle. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I was saying, you know, a good comedy is so hard to find, but I appreciate them, too, for the same reasons. Like, they're very, very difficult to find. And I think comedy acting is difficult. No doubt about that, that comedic timing. So it's cool that you are up for that kind of challenge and oh. you know, like that. And you'd like a good action, too, huh? So you're. Oh, you know, people listen to this podcast that uh, are out there that, uh, that I, I love to ask actors that question because, you know, I know there's some stuff that you're kind of licking your chops to do. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. It's so it, it's it's fascinating because I, I there that part of me that I just I like people. Right. Yeah. And I like stories. And so. If she, if I, if the, the woman whose shoes I'm walking in is like a gun toting something like, then we toting guns. Like that's just <laughs> what it's going to be. Right. You know, or if she is, 
out in the world trying to figure out life and she just can't get it right. And it's hilarious because we've all been there like that. And then we're going through that, you know? And I think oftentimes, um, I think there's definitely a lot of actors where in the same school of thought, like, there we there were multifaceted like individuals absolutely you're multifaceted you have so many different likes and interests and so yeah i'm totally if the story is great if the story is is well written if we have if it has a journey like if there's some conflict some stuff happening there like let's do it why not right it's good stuff i could see you liking that too because of your what you said previously with the interest and backgrounds and you know the staging of films i think uh, you probably would really enjoy a film or a role that allowed you to really interact a lot with the environment that you're in too, as well. You know, as it mm-hmm. as a character, being in scenes where your environment is a character, which it is, which it has been in films that you've done. But I, I think that uh, that's something that I, I think you would be really stellar doing. Uh, you know, something really big too and grandiose that allows you to really interact with that that atmosphere, that environment. Oh, yeah, I'm game. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff, to say the least. Now, my gosh, we've we've chatted quite a bit here in this first segment. I want to ask you a couple more questions, if you don't mind. Is is that okay? Let's do it. Oh, absolutely. Okay, great. Now, what's been the most difficult and rewarding parts of your journey thus far? I mean, briefly speaking. I'll start with most rewarding because that popped in my my head first. Mm-hmm. Ordeal, which is a short that I wrote and produced, yeah. was originally a monologue. And when I wrote that monologue, it was at a time where um, I had really great work out there, was getting a lot of great feedback, a lot of interest. At the same time, I was looking for an agent at the time yeah, and was meeting with a ton of agencies. People were interested and then folks just they were like we we love your look we love your work we don't know where to place you and i was like what that makes no sense i was like what does that mean (laughs) how does the work not matter like that should trump everything it doesn't matter what you're confused about like the work right exactly so that was happening in my world and i was living in harlem at the time and you know being on the subway in new york city it, it is very common to for someone who is homeless or in need to come on the train to yeah. to either ask for money or food or whatever their needs are for that day. Mm-hmm. And I happened to also be on the train where I was noticing that how quickly now with, you know, iPhones and everything, people just divert their attention. Like you don't, there's so many ways to not connect with another human being. Yeah. Right. And so here I was like a little frustrated with things that just didn't make sense from a business standpoint, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> and then having this kind of experience where I'm watching people purposely not want to connect with another human being. Mm, yeah. And so the combination of the two, that part of me that's like, I know what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. I understand that, you know, agents in some ways are your doorway to certain opportunities. You know, mm-hmm. I understand their importance and there are a lot of great ones that are in the industry. What I didn't like was that some of your gateways hinted on this this person. Like I was like, what? Yeah. Why? I was so frustrated, and I was like, you know what? I don't care who doesn't know what the hell to do as it relates to me and my work, <laughs> but I know what to do. And I wrote yeah. that piece because I was frustrated personally about certain things, and then I was just so kind of just 
stunned by people's response to seeing someone in need ask for help. Mm, yeah. And so I wrote that piece and I decided I will perform that piece. And I did it as a monologue in a couple auditions when I was meeting with agencies. Mm. And yeah, the response was, it was really wonderful. Sometimes there was like silence because they just didn't expect it. Yeah. Because, you know, Vanessa is very, Vanessa, you know, the she's leading ordeal. Like, she's very, very unfiltered, very. Oh, raw. yeah. I love that about and it. And so, yeah. And the way in which I wrote her, I just, I just felt like that was the most truthful way to tell this story and something I wanted to give voice to, um, which is homelessness and just how we treat individuals in our society who are in that circumstance. Oh, and yeah. so mm -hmm. that experience. And so I wrote it as a monologue. I decided at that time that I would, I spoke to a really good friend, Kyle, who's the director of Row Effect. And I was like, dude, I have this thing. And I was like, you know, I was thinking, you know, just telling my idea. He's like, yeah, you should really shoot it. And I was like, done. I'm going to shoot it. Yeah. I was like, but how do I do this? I was like, how do I get a director? Because <laughs> right? I've always been the actor. <laughs> right, right. Mm -hmm. And so through that process of writing and producing, that has been one of the most rewarding experiences because it was extremely vulnerable to write that story. It was extremely vulnerable to then have to share that story and get other people on board to lend their time to be my director, my DP, sound. Right. Even though I I was going to be the actor, I still needed a team to execute this. Yeah, and so it was a very um, vulnerable experience. And then to release it into the world. Yeah, yeah. I I have always had a respect for directors and writer directors because I understood the level, you know, like the vulnerability that it must go into that. Absolutely. But once mm -hmm. I wrote my own and put it out there. Mm -hmm. I have never felt the level of vulnerability and nausea yeah. around having a piece of work out in the world right. as I did at that point with that particular project. Because wow. I was like, people can judge me as an actor or writer. Like, what if nobody let you? Like, you have all these crazy thoughts because you're so emotionally invested in what you've, in my case, and what I've chose to put out there and what I wanted to give voice to, something that I felt very strongly about. Right. And it was the most re rewarding because I put it out into the world and I was just like, I just want to get this out there. And then what I wasn't ready for mm -hmm. was how people would respond. Yeah. And it was the response that I got back from people who are the Vanessa's of the world who reached out to me to say that they saw themselves in her. Yeah. Yeah. Once I had that from those individuals, mm -hmm. I was like, I knew what I was putting out was as honest as I could be about it. But to know that someone else felt it, yeah. let me know that I had done a, you know, a job well done. And right. that was extremely rewarding because the stress levels to produce. <laughs> and you're acting <laughs> in levels, it too. And the acting oh is, is no, uh, no joke. I mean, this is a very riveting and emotional and just uh, psychologically pretty gripping piece so yeah it's it's really fine work so the fact that you wrote it that's a vulnerable place to be in and then also acted in it too i can only imagine how uh challenging that was it you know just from uh and but also rewarding too and that it, oh um, completely the response has been fantastic and the, the product it's just a wonderful short it's i love it mm -hmm. yeah you it's, know it's even even beyond like the the responses backed it was 
knowing that I took an idea and something I felt very strongly about, wrote it, produced it, and put it out into the world yeah. was the most satisfying because I did it, if right. that makes sense. Like I, I got it done. Absolutely. Like I actually took that leap and was like, I am doing this and I did it. And once it was done, then I was like, you forget all about the stress and the anxiety and the nausea, to be quite yeah. honest, mm -hmm. once you've released it. And it's like, all of a sudden you're like, well, what's next? <laughs> right, right. You did a damn you good know? job with this. Let me tell you, it's, it's a fantastic piece. It's, it's really something that everybody should check out because it's great. It's uh, really powerful. You guys did a really good job. I love the fact that you, as you said, you know, you had an idea, you wrote it, and then you made it happen. You brought it to life. And I think that's what it's all about. That's what film and cinema is all about. Telling these stories, finding a way to make it happen, utilizing the resources that you do have to make something happen. That's what mm -hmm. it's all about. You may not have every resource that you want that shouldn't impact your ability to tell a story. And I think uh, what you did with this was great. And it's an important story, too, as well. I love how raw it is. I do. I almost wish you didn't have the parental discretion advised. I didn't even want the warning. I was like, you know, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's well, you know, I initially when I initially um, did the edit of it, when we did the edit of it, it did not have that at the beginning. <laughs> and then once because um, at first when yeah. I released it, it was only on my personal website. Mm, yeah. And then once there was more interest in people seeing it, yeah. then we posted it to YouTube. And, and once I posted it to YouTube, then I needed to put that disclaimer there in the event because, yeah. you know, there's young people, you know, on YouTube and I didn't want, you know, some kid to stumble across it or some parent, <laughs> yeah, some parent to yeah. open it with their <laughs> child there, you know, and uh, yeah, not was... knowing and then sending me like an angry message. So right. that was like precautionary for yeah. parents who just open things in front of kids. Right. <laughs> That's really who that was for. <laughs> That's good stuff though. I, I tell you, it's, <laughs> it's certainly good stuff. Now, before we go to our break, what qualities mm -hmm. does a good actor possess? Mm, good qualities. I will say the first thing that came to mind was perseverance. Mm -hmm. To have an unwavering belief in what you have to offer. Mm, yes. What makes you unique, your voice, what you have that you can bring to a story, to have unwavering belief in that. Yeah, I think in addition to that would be, you know, the discipline to do your research, sit with your stories. If you're if you're booked on a project to really get into that script and dedicate the time that's necessary to be in there 100 percent on top of if you are going through your process and you feel like you you are lacking something like to have the self-awareness to know where you may need to help. Right. And maybe to. Maybe it's a class. Maybe it's a workshop. Maybe it doesn't even have to be an acting class per se, right? Because yeah. there's so much training that happens outside of institutions. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think just constantly just learning right. and investing time in your own personal growth, I think is important. I also think it's important to live your life, mm, yeah. to have life experiences, to engage with those loved ones that are in your life, to have be open to new experiences in your personal life because right. I do think in our line of work there's a lot of things that 
there's a lot, there's constant change. Yeah. You can be on a project and then gets like, you know, canned for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. You can be part of something and then your part gets written out. Yeah. You know, there's right. so many things. And so I truly believe I mean, what I've found to be a good balance is to live your life, to still have a life in addition to your career, because when your career is in flux, you do still need to have something that's still grounding you. And I think that starts with you first and what you've, you know, your foundation and how you keep yourself centered, but then also still living and experiencing life so that you, when you do book that next story, that you have all of this, more of who you are to bring and explore with. And not to say that you're using anything from your, you know, some different techniques, people have their different methods. You know, if you use something for your personal life or you choose not to, whatever works for the person to be as truthful as possible. But I found that the more I lived and had and followed that curious nature of just, hey, what is this in the world? Mm -hmm. The greater and the better of an actor I've become, the easier and more exciting like storytelling is because I'm experiencing that every day of my life. I will say a great learning ground. When I got out of drama school, which is primarily, well, pretty much all theater. Yeah. But I was very clear that there's, I want to do TV and film as well. Mm -hmm. And that was another learning curve. And I actually was a PA. Yeah. On mm-hmm. on a couple feature films. And that's when I realized why it's really important for us to know our lines. Absolutely. <laughs> there are a lot of people waiting oh, for yeah. you to do your shot because they need to move on to the next one. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So be willing to to explore other parts of the business totally as agree. part of your training because it will inform how and help you to understand where you fit in to the larger puzzle. Like, it's not just about the actors. It's not just about the directors. It's not just about any one role. It's about everyone coming together. And the more that you can understand that and have a clearer picture of how all these parts move together, I think as an actor, it just allows you to do your job even better. Oh, well said. And my gosh, you've been so generous with us. And I really appreciate you kind of taking us into your world. But I do think it's time to take a short break here and then we will uh, come back from the break because I kind of want to discuss your latest projects here. You've done some really fantastic work here recently and there's so much to uh, discuss. So I think we'll take a short break here, give you a chance to reset, maybe have a beverage or two, and then we'll we'll come back from the break and uh, discuss your current projects. How does that sound to you? That's wonderful. All right, folks, we're going to take a short break here and we will come back with more of Nia Fairweather after this break. Do not go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back. Cinema After Dark podcast. We are continuing a wonderful discussion with Miss Nia Fairweather, and she's so kindly, my gosh, taking us back into her journey into the industry. And for this half of the discussion, I do kind of want to buckle down a bit here and switch gears and discuss 
your latest projects here. Now, you recently played Maxwell in uh, several episodes of Everything I Did Wrong in My 20s, a web series. Yeah. My gosh, what was that experience like for you? Oh, man. Well, the series is still ongoing. We're gearing up for another season. I think we resume in probably another by in February, I want to say. Oh, nice. So, yeah, Maxwell, it's been really fun. Actually, that is the of the things I've done as of late, the most lighthearted. Yeah. Maxwell is definitely more of a free spirit, very optimistic. She's a, a writer who moved to Los Angeles to pursue her career as a screenwriter, playwright, everything. And so her outlook on life is everything is possible. <laughs> nice. And so Maxwell is a supporting role in the series. And the main character, Stephanie, is the complete opposite. She's pessimistic. She's kind of felt like she should have done things differently in her 20s. And I'm her young roommate that she now has to take on because she can't afford her rent and everything else. So right. our dynamic is... Uh, <laughs> It's very, very interesting. It's a lot of fun because I literally go to set every day to see how the more excited I am, the more annoyed Stephanie gets. So I, <laughs> I that inner eight year old in me is kind of like, how, how can I make her even more annoyed today? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been, that's been a lot of fun. And on that right. series, Kim, who created the series. Yeah. Kim Williams, um, from, how did you, how'd you yeah. meet with her? How did you connect with her? It's so fascinating. So I was cast in a play called Bitch, which mm -hmm. was in New York. And it really examines the word bitch and how it's used and affects different people. And it's a, it's a really well done, well written piece. Yeah. And I was cast in it and I played two of the, the female characters in that play. And Kim actually wrote the play, but it was her, her producing and directing partner was the person who was basically spearheading this production in New York. Right. Mm. So I met Kim, I want to say the night that we opened, but you know, I'm all all of us are just trying to like make sure we do our job. Like we I wasn't even we didn't even fully connect in that moment. But when I moved to Los Angeles, a film um, Row Effect was screening in LA at this it was like a little film night in LA and Kim happened to be there and I was like, "Wait, I don't know you from Los Angeles." Like <laughs> And so we, that was not, it wasn't until I got to LA mm -hmm. that we, we saw each other at this event. We connected, we sat down and she said she has this project that she was working on. And then she shared Maxwell with me. But yeah, I, we got connected because she wrote some amazing words in the play that I was, had the opportunity to actually be a part of in wow. New York. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating how that happened. My goodness. She's doing such yeah. a good job with the series, by the way. It's oh. uh, Thanks. <laughs> it's really good stuff. It's really, yeah. really great work. Wow. Interesting how that kind of came together like that. Now, with the episodes of that, is she released the episodes in advance? Like, do you know what's going to happen prior to it happening or manifesting? Do you get like a few episodes or is it one at a time and you kind of have to live with that character for that particular episode? Yeah, it's it's actually one at a time. Nice. <laughs> it's one at a time. So we never really know until she's done with the script yeah. where exactly like I, you know, I'll have conversations with her. I'm like, Hey, you know, where is this going to go? You know, like you can ask <laughs> questions, but then ultimately yeah. you don't know until she hands you the, the locked script. Oh, so okay. yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's episode by episode. Yeah. It's fantastic. I'm curious about that. I might have to have her on the show too, because I'm always curious about how people approach these web series and it's been a very successful one too. It's been all over the place. 
in terms mm-hmm. of the social media and on blogs and it's all over the place. So it's very cool to uh to see that it's probably nice to work with the same people too and have that build that rapport isn't it it is it is and you know and sometimes like with the episodes we not the entire episode isn't necessarily shot in one day you know and so there are moments where i oftentimes i'm on set with stephanie because of my you know maxwell's relationship to stephanie right but i may not see some of the other cast members for that particular episode and so the moments where we all are together it is always like a family reunion and yeah. just very giddy on set because like oh i haven't seen you since you know episode such and such you know yeah. or since you know so and so broke up with so and so you know like and we just reference story points in, in jokingly manner but and kim just creates such a, a great environment for the entire cast and crew and so yeah it's just a great uh, it's been a great experience oh, all, all around Kim, I see you out there doing your thing. I I give you a salute from a distance. Yeah, I'd love people that are making these web series happen. It's it's our way of really creating the type of content we want to see on TV. And absolutely, yeah, it's a it's great, it's great stuff to say the least. Now you've completed actually several shorts recently. You played Tracy and Firefly. I did. And, what was and that? That, like? that was a, r- a wonderful. It. That project was part of Film Independence yeah. program, and I played Tracy, and the story is, in fact, told from a three-year-old perspective. Mm-hmm. And I was playing the the mom of the three-year-old, actually, and I'm this young mom who has, uh, you know, have this three-year-old and want to go back out into dating, right? And yeah. But haven't <laughs> quite had that conversation with my <laughs> three-year-old. And so the story was really about my failure to navigate that um, and, <laughs> and how the child is perceiving, like she thinks there's a monster in the house, you know, all this from her perspective of what's going on when it really stems from my lack of just finding a way to say, hey, you know, mom is dating, right? right. Like just that odd, com- you know, just not knowing how to approach that with my with my child who it's just been me and her. Right, right. And my mom in the story. And so, but I, oh, it was so well done. I loved, uh, we all saw it together at yeah. the LA Film Festival. Yeah. It was so awesome to see it come together and the, the, the graphics, the animation that they put in and yeah. how it, that it really felt like you felt like you were watching it from a three-year-old perspective. And right. I couldn't help but watch it from my Tracy brain and be like, no, baby, you got it wrong. Like, that's not what's going on. Like, <laughs> uh, so it was great. It was my first time actually acting opposite like a child. A child, yeah. It's and she was awesome. Yeah. She, that, that, I mean, she, I can't even, that... <laughs> I half the time I was just staring at, at Amazing. Her, yeah. Being like, who are you? And like, w- like there needs to be a part two just so we can be together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so awesome. And these children actors, child actors are just amazing. I mean, just to be able oh. to be so bold at that age and to be able to deliver performances to understand everything. I, I think it's just in their blood. Oh, completely. It is like, it is play at its purest, yeah. right? And it's, I, I couldn't help, like, even in the, while they were setting up lights and we're chit-chatting and she's still a child, right? Yeah, and yeah. so she's like, hey, <laughs> you want to play this? And I'm like, sure, let's, let's play it. Like, I don't even know what, 
you know, games that she's made up. And I'm like, I'm game. Just tell me the rules. And the <laughs> rules were very easy to follow. And so it was awesome. Oh, good stuff. Now, what was your experience like in Father's Day? Oh, in Father's Day. Yeah. That was really cool because Demetrius, who directed that, was actually the director and playwright who wrote the, the play in which I was cast as the 11-year-old boy. Demetrius and I worked together in New York and I moved to LA, he moved to LA and he was doing this film and reached out to me to be a part of it. And I really enjoyed that story because it's from a father's perspective. Me too. I, think I know I, I know I'm playing like, you know, his his baby mama basically for the for the main the right. main guy, but it was so refreshing to be part of a project where it's a father dealing with fatherhood. Yeah. And so it, it was, I, I just, I don't know. I was just so grateful to be like, yes, just to be able to help him put that story out into the world. Right. To be quite honest. Good. Yeah. My role in that, you know, was, it, it wasn't a pivotal role, but it was still a value. And just to be there and to be in support of that was, was awesome. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah that was great. Yeah. He's um doing some good stuff to oh, say the least. Yeah. yeah. Demetrius is he's he's pretty awesome. Yeah. I've I've been very fortunate and blessed to work with some awesome individuals. <laughs> I have to That's say. That's what it's all about though. I mean I, I No, think, seriously. Yeah, it's a blessing, but like attracts like, I feel, and when you leave it on the screen and you do it well, you'll attract the same type of energy, the same type of uh creative mechanisms there that that uh, can can help you. I think that's part of the blessing of cinema when you mm -hmm. put in the work you will attract more work and you'll attract good people that's at least what i've seen i mean everybody yeah. may have experienced that but I, I really do believe that like attracts like it's kind of how yeah. it works no you're absolutely right thanks for that yeah. reminder yeah salute to that it's a testament to your hard work and those around you for recognizing it and that energy coming together it's a it's definitely a uh, it's kind of like an interesting equation Gosh, true. We're going to talk about paralysis here now because uh, <laughs> your character. This is where I was like, "Oh my, who is this?" And first of all, I love that type of film. You know, psychological kind of a mind twister. There. Oh my god, it's right up my alley. Now, how did you and Miss Williams connect? And gosh, I guess what was it like working with that entire cast? It was pretty cool group of folks here some of which many of which we've had on the show <laughs> so yeah, yeah so how do we connect yeah. so robin was working on contamination which was her project her film yeah. before paralysis another excellent piece and had shared it with a colleague and director friend of hers and was saying she was looking for an actress and they were like you need to check out nia yeah. and so she did and she reached out to me and it literally was the week after I had just moved from New York to Los Angeles. Right, right. And was it so Anthony? They, was it Anthony that connected you? Anthony, Anthony, yep. Yeah. Anthony was is her producing partner. Right. But uh, I think it was another director friend of hers who was in the NYU program oh, who yeah. was familiar with my work wow. had introduced Robin to my work. Robin then shared it with Anthony and then they were like, we need to, you know, then Robin was like, as Robin tells it, she was like, all right, I need to reach out to her, which she did. 
And so for it's awesome. at that time, it didn't work out in that time because I, I just got into LA and was booked on something else. Mm, yeah. And Robin was like, you know, we both kind of vibed and we're just like, when the opportunity presents itself, we'll work together. Right. And about a year later, I want to say Robin reached out. She had paralysis. And at that point, we had built a rapport where as two artists just checking in, hey, how's this going? How's everything with you? And, you know, kind of just being kind of like that sisterly kind of support, what yeah. you do when you find good people, right? Right. And so she shared um, paralysis with me and I, you know, I was talking to her about it. I was like having my questions and I think it had gone like a few moments or a few, several conversations where we had talked about this project, but she hadn't really said at that time that she was interested in me being the actor, yeah. being Jessica. So I was just going, you know, just one storyteller to the next. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I have so many questions about this, this, this. Right. And then Robin, uh, I remember one of our one of our conversations and she had asked if I would be interested. And I was like, are you are you really asking? Because do you need to ask? Like at this point, <laughs> is that really the question? And so from there, once that was kind of out and done, and it was a collaborative effort, just talking through, I wanted to be very clear and take yeah. my time through her script. I, I took a lot of time with it on my own and then would check in with her and we would talk about it. It was very collaborative and wanting to make sure I was understanding certain things or even questions that I had and allow myself to kind of just explore it as Jessica before, you know, definitively know what it was she had in mind. And so much of the development of paralysis was a true collaboration in there was stuff that I brought to the table, definitely things that she shared and how it all came together. And that experience, I, I can't even find the words. Right. It, it was, it, it's, it was a true partnership. Yeah. It's magic. It was, um, it's mad. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it really truly is. magic Yeah, for her to write such an amazing story that was tackling mental illness in the way that someone may be experiencing it. Mm -hmm. But for those outside, you would say it's a psychological thriller, right? But yeah. as Jessica living it, it is very real, right? Yeah. And so the conversations we would have about it and the things I would sit with and just explore and finding out about, you know, sleeping disorders and learning all of this stuff. And then the more you learn, you're like, what's like right. more questions and more to work with and more to create with. And so up until I felt like even while we were shooting, I was still like just allowing whatever came now that I was actually in Jessica's apartment, you yeah. know, yeah. in the environment. Now I see who my dad is, right? Like, yeah. who's this neighbor? But once I found the, <laughs> the psychologist, like all of that stuff, like oh my. once all of that, it just felt like it was just a continuation of it because then once we all came together, it was truly all of these bits and pieces of the puzzle right. coming together and fitting together in a way that was truly organic, 100% truthful. Yeah. And, and Robin just created such an environment of, of safety to explore, of, of support and togetherness. And at every moment my, my. of the process... It was very clear that 
what I had to add to the um, story mm-hmm. and what I was bringing in was was of value and that nothing was dismissed, you yeah. know, like everything was a conversation and and that was just and oh, yeah, God. that it was just truly me. unique. It yeah. was truly unique. And I, I will say for Robin, you know, even her as a director and how she every part of this process was handled with such utmost care and sincerity and the way in which she came to the table. Like I had no choice but to match her. If that makes sense. Right. Like she seems so detail oriented and just so, Oh God, so passionate, but also uh, I think she's got a sense of grace and I haven't had an opportunity to work with her, but I, I can tell that the performances and the way that she crafted this film together, including the writing for that matter, uh, it's just, just fantastic. It really is just a wonderful, wonderful oh, piece. I mean, you can you feel the thought she put into every word and every moment and everything yeah. had such purpose. There, there weren't any throwaways. There yeah. wasn't anything that we talked about as it relates to Jessica or the story that was that she didn't have some kind of, you know, a feeling or something already there. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I, I told her countless times and I'll even share with you, like she gave me such an amazing map to work wow. with wow. for this journey of Jessica. And as I went along that map, that's how Jessica came to life. And that then became, you know, the story that, you know, you got to experience, but she definitely gave me a map that had so much already. It was like going on a treasure hunt, you know, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, just finding all these gems along the way and unfolding and just being in it. And, um, it was truly magical and, um, so much, I mean, and, and all that this film has received as far as support and yeah. accolades. Let's talk about that. accolades. Hey, listen, you know? <laughs> the, one of the one of my <laughs> one of my favorite festivals is the Las Vegas Black Film Festival. I love the owner. I love how that's run. I love how they're. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love how she recognizes material, good material out there, especially from people of color. Uh, she does a good job. Now I've had her on this program and I, it was a fascinating discussion, but what was it like? And also I've been a fortunate enough to be an award winner at that festival too, as well. So it's a special place in my heart, but I have to ask you what it was like when you received that beautiful <laughs> best actress and a short award at the uh you know the third annual festival what was that like for you it because that's awesome and congratulations it is really thank you it's awesome. it was it was an awesome it was an awesome feeling because and none of the stories and and paralysis or any of the films i've done i've never gone on board with the expectation or just oh i want to get an award right Right, that was never at the core of why i did it it was always story first and so i've always rested in story and being truthful and given all that i have to give and just leaving it there like everything just pour it all out however it comes out you leave it all on screen Oh, thank you. And, you know, and so when I do that, I, my award, to be quite honest, is 
all right, if I felt like I left it all, like if I felt like I've, I've exhausted everything on set, like if I am like, I don't think there's anything else I could have given, then I can kind of at least sit with myself, right? And feel like right. I've done Jessica justice. Mm-hmm. So to receive the award on top of that, honestly, was like the cherries and sprinkles on top because I I am so grateful to, to receive it because yeah. I, it's, it's, it is... There's, you know, there's one thing to do the work. And ultimately, I'm like, my first thing is like, I want to make sure that Robin got what she wanted, you know, like, is your story told, right? (laughs) Right, right. You know, and so to have someone else who's experienced it Mm -hmm. and be so moved to out of all the films that they've looked at to say, your performance is the one that we award and we, we give this to, I am so appreciative of it because it was, you know, a reminder that I did tell the story. And so even, you know, even as we're talking right now, I can see the award (laughs) in front of of on the, it's a nice award. And it's just a great reminder of, Oh, you told that story. Well, you know, and so when I look at it, I'm like, man, I told that story. (laughs) Right. 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 So no, it's a great, it's like that warming feeling of, wow. Like, Thank you. Yeah. Like all I could say is thank you. Oh my. And then I I go and I thank Robin like thank you yeah. for giving me this opportunity because it allowed me to tell yet another story but also to pour out that part of me that I knew could do this, right? right? Like right. And here's another reminder that I'm doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's, and uh, so that's what it becomes. It becomes like a reminder of yeah, you're doing it. Oh, salute. <laughs> to that and salute to the you know the staff over there at the uh, the las vegas black film festival and miss michelle and the work that they do and mm-hmm. that um they really picked a good one and i'm so glad to see that you uh, received that award especially after watching the film i was blown away by your ability to just leave it on screen i was really i didn't move when i was the, the film came on and i didn't move because this is right up my alley and you just left it all on screen it's it's very gripping and everybody in the piece was great dk antoinette um it's just uh it it's just oh oh, gosh i yeah robin assembled an amazing family yeah like everybody on that on that set everyone from in front of the camera to behind the camera right oh just stellar yeah she robin it Clearly, we know she can write, she can direct, but her eye. Oh yeah. That yeah. That's... She can. She needs to write a book about that eye. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree with you on that. <laughs> so, gosh, there's so much more I could talk to you about. You've been so generous with your time, but I I will move us forward because I you've been so gracious and I really appreciate it. So, what's next for you? You know, is there anything we should look out for? Oh, sure. Yeah. So Vanessa, our lovely Vanessa in Ordeal. So (laughs) I am currently working on the feature script for Vanessa. Nice. So I am working on the feature script. Uh, Yeah, I'm very excited about it. Yeah. uh, Because, you know, I get a lot of people wanting to know, like, how does she get to where she is? Where is she going? Where is she now? And so with the feature script, I plan to answer some of those questions as well as pose some other things. Oh, nice. <laughs> Through her. 
Right. As we get to know more about her, but we get to know more about her environment and her community and what she experiences as a result of her circumstance. That's fantastic. I was just going to ask you too if you were going to continue writing because your writing is fantastic. You're so, I mean, it's good to hear that you're going to really build on something that's already great and uh, make it into a feature. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, you know, and um, me writing actually came from auditioning uh, for plays, right? Wow. And at the time, you know, everyone wants you to come in with a classical piece or contemporary, and oftentimes there was you know, woman of color, like a certain age group, you, it ends up being beneath our raisin in the sun, right? Uh, yeah. Unless, <laughs> you know, and love uh, the play, but it's like, I can only be her so many times, seriously. right? And so I started to write my own monologues and go into auditions, right. doing my own original pieces. Mm -hmm. And, and from there, I was like, I actually like giving voice to the stories that I want to also put out there, the voices I want to put out there. Right. And so right. that's, you know, Vanessa was an extension of that. And so writing the feature, this allows me to share with audiences, basically all of what I know about Vanessa that you guys don't know yet. Right. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, and also gets, you know, to further the conversation that I started with Vanessa yeah, yeah. and ordeal right. and, and, and continuing that. So yeah, that is definitely on the horizon. Oh, I've been taking my time with it because I've been fortunate enough where I've been booked on different things. I'm still shooting on everything I did wrong in my twenties. Yep. And, and, you know, as I get booked on other things, you know, I will, you know, I go and do that and then I come back to this, but I definitely I'm on the fast track to have that script locked, you know, within this year for nice, sure. Nice. Gosh, Godspeed on that. That's exciting. Yeah. Like that's, thank you. That's very great to hear. I mean, that's that's what it's all about right there. There is not a dull bone in your body, is there, Miss? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and then I also have, there was a, a other sh um, short form content that I'd written that once Ordeal had, you know, was well received and mm -hmm. got booked on other things that got shelved. And so I'm in the process right now of actually getting some of those shorter form content nice. out before this feature Fantastic. because I can, you know, I already have it written and it's just a matter of just execution yeah. at this point. And I'm excited about that because you know how you go, you may have like a journal somewhere where you write ideas down oh, and yeah. then you kind of find that thing. You're like, I, you know, I've had this, what, it's been two years oh, and yeah. I haven't done this yet. <laughs> so uh, 2000, you know, this year has definitely is my year to just get it done. Let's put it nice, out. Let's put nice. these stories out there. Salute to that. And, <laughs> and I've been really fortunate and really excited to embark on a process right now of developing a, a one-woman show. Nice. Very cool. And I begin that actually on January 10th. Nice. The mm -hmm. beginning stages of that development. So, and that actually will be ready and up and out first in April. Oh, nice. And, yeah. and so I will definitely be, you know, I, I post stuff on, share it on my, my yes. website. It will definitely website. be there as well as, Twitter. um, so yeah, well, I'm, I'm more on Instagram, believe it or not. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Facebook than I right. am Twitter. I, I think okay. Twitter requires me to, to, yeah, you have to have a lot of opinions, I think, often on yeah. Twitter. And I, I just, I, I'm just not there with that. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just not there with that. I don't have that uh, many, you know, to yeah. chime in on a regular basis. Like, I just don't have it. 
Uh, Not in this moment. <laughs> and so so that will be first out in April. Okay. And then some of the short form content will then come out probably, uh, you know, around spring, summer. Okay. And then the feature script will be pretty much tightened up by then and then ready for, you know, assembling that team. Oh, <laughs> my. That is exciting. Yes. Oh, my. Now, Miss Fairweather, I got to do mm-hmm. something here to you that I do to all of my guests. And uh, you either hate me for it or I don't know. You may not ever want to come back on this program again but <laughs> but i've I don't, got i don't think that's possible well you know what this is back. i'm telling you this <laughs> is been awesome well i appreciate that but i cannot say that you will have the same opinion of me in the next few seconds but i need okay. to ask you if you're ready for it i'm ready are you, wow you just dive right in huh so you've gotten rid mm-hmm. of that shyness and you just dive right in okay well <laughs> Nia, this is the part of the show where I ask our guests to share a fun fact about themselves. Now, this is not just like your normal fun fact. This should be anything that people don't know about you. So I'm going to put the spotlight on you. Love doing this to people, by the way. And Mm -hmm. the floor is yours. A fun fact, but something that people don't know about you. Okay. Fun fact is that I am also a sculptor. What? (laughs) Now that is dope. Now you've got to explain. How long have you been doing that? What do you sculpt? (laughs) That is cool. Yeah. So I, okay. So my first voice as an artist was actually with clay and while I was in high school, I was always into art and fine arts, but um, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I didn't think painting was it. And I went through several classes and my teachers kept pushing me to different classes. And I ended up in ceramics Yeah. because I actually really liked clay and I worked really well with clay. I started with sculpture, mixed media Wow. and rested in ceramics. And so my first full like form sculpture was a replica of the Sphinx. Yeah, in Egypt oh, awesome. because I'm obsessed with Egyptian Me art, too. like ancient Egyptian art. Yes. Obsessed. Yeah. Wow. How so did it turn out, my... by the way? How did that sphinx? Oh, That's a hard it, thing to sculpt. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was it took two months wow. um of work. Yeah. And I would work on it in school and then beg to take some of the clay home so I can <laughs> like continue to work on it because I wanted it to be done so I can go on to the next thing. Yeah. So that was the first first thing. And then I started to work more with like human figurines. So mm. I did uh, a series that was more of like just bodies, yeah. like expression, more dance. They look more like nice. they're in dance than anything. Yeah, in motion. So there, there's like in motion. Movement. Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely motion. And and then um, the other two two pieces I had, and I was 14 at the time. Wow. And my teacher, she had us watch. Schindler's List mm, yeah, and Amistad. Oh, both deep movies. And Jeez. we had to create a piece basically that represented what we felt about the Holocaust mm-hmm. and what we felt and experienced about the slave trade yeah. here in the U.S. And I think that was the first time I was ever exposed to watching a film and then having to express it 
and through my art, right? Because before I was just used to watching films, I was never asked to then do something with my feelings about it. Mm -hmm. And so the piece that I did for the middle passage basically ended up being on display for an uh, opening book signing for an author, an illustrator who did a series on the middle passage. Mm, And that was my first time of understanding how you can affect people with art. Right. Mm. And that was how I found my voice because then I realized I could say things without saying things. Right. Cause at that point I still was not interested in crowds or audiences or any of that. But Mm -hmm. if I created it in clay, people can see it and experience it. And then I get a sense of how they felt about it. Yeah. And so after that, it became more into doing more houseware stuff like plates, cups. And, and I love tea. I'm a big tea person. Oh, yeah. So making a teacup and saucer. Nice. And nice. Um, maybe that has some of the Caribbean heritage where we do a lot of tea. Yeah. <laughs> Any particular flavors that you like more than them? I love Thai tea and oh, I love yeah. Earl Grey. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so in New York, I had a studio that I would work out of. And, you know, reserve studio time and throw on the wheel. It was easier to throw on the wheel because when you hand build, it takes longer. Mm-hmm. You need space that you can have dedicated space so your clay can dry and yeah. do all the things that it needs to do. And that's a little bit longer than if you throw on the wheel. If you're doing more like a cup, vase, a plate, sure, you're throwing it on the wheel, but you it starts the drying process, you know, wow. whatever, that next day. You don't have to work on it for two months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so once... The sculpting was there first. And once I truly found my voice as an actor, then I haven't been able to sculpt as much. But I am right now actively looking for a space that I can work out of on a you know a pretty regular basis just so I can get back into throwing and making pieces. Yeah. Because that, that's like meditation for me. Wow. To be on the wheel, to be in clay, it's very messy. Mm-hmm. But to be in earth, I love the outdoors as well, like just nature. And so where work may not allow me to make it out to, say, nature or hike or do something on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. I found that just being in clay and being in the messiness of it was just as being connected to to the ground and earth and nature um, in a different way. Right. And so, yeah, most people do not know that. That That is is a fun fact. An awesome fun fact. My (laughs) God, I appreciate you sharing that. That's, I'm, uh, made me dumbfounded here. I'm just, uh, stunned by that. That's a very cool fun fact. Yeah. It's a, gosh. Thank you. And have you been able to explore some of the museums out here? Yes. 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 I love. Yeah, I I go to museums all the time. Yeah, they're great. And just walking in, and I actually like to visit the the cafe at LACMA. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just because I like just being in the the presence of a museum and art. Right. Mm -hmm. And then... It also they also have chai tea at their cafe, so I'll get yeah. a chai tea and I can write there. <laughs> nice. I will, you know, I'll work on stuff there. Sometimes I'll just read mm-hmm. there. But outside of museums, I still love a good bookstore. Oh yeah. I will go to any books if there is a bookstore, I will go into it. Oh, fascinating, good stuff. I just I love. I think it's just that smell of books. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I've heard that before. That's that's unique. Yeah. <laughs> And just having it in your hand, right? It's just there's something to that, and mm. and so yeah. But between mm. museums, you can find me at a museum, a cafe <laughs> at a museum, a bookstore. Nice. 
Nice. Chances are one of, and if I'm not there, then I'm outside somewhere. <laughs> trying to be outside somewhere. Nice. For sure. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Now, before we wrap, feel free to plug anything you wish, websites, Twitter, Facebook. How can people stay up to date with everything that's going on with you? Oh, absolutely. I am very easy to find because everything is my name. So my website is NiaFairweather.com. And on Instagram, I am at NiaFairweather. And then on Facebook, I, it is just my name. It's Nia Fairweather Actress. So yeah, I'm easily to find. And definitely in this, my pledge to just share more of my stories and yeah. get these stories out there, can there will definitely be a lot of my content on those platforms. And, and as far as contact information on my website where it says, contact me, if you send me a message, it actually comes to me. It's not a dummy address. It, it does come to me. Even all my social media accounts, I it's me. So if someone sends me a message there, whether they want to have any follow-up questions to our conversation today or just artist to artist, like yeah. I'm totally open to that. Nice. So reach out. I'm definitely there. Yeah. And as far as other things to plug, um, if, uh, you know, to all the artists out there, like, 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 let's just keep doing it, man. Like we have so much value. The world need us more than they know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> all artists, so true. I don't care whatever your art is, whatever you create, like whatever you consider to be your creative outlet, like do that. Even if that's not your your full-time thing, like still do it because there's so much value. I believe in the power of art. I believe in the power of storytelling. I believe in like connecting with people. And so with even with my social media, my website, it's really a way, an invitation for people to see my work and to connect. Oh, so to that. And I appreciate any exchanges. If there's something someone wants to share with me, like let's share it. And yeah. And um, and I wanted to also thank you. Can I just thank you for oh, a moment my. for this amazing conversation as I started? You know, I've obviously listened to your podcast and you know, just for creating a space and giving me this opportunity to share. Oh my my pleasure. My, my journey and my work and and yeah i just thank you oh, for pleasure. creating a safe space for me robin and all the artists that you've had on your podcast and who are to be interviewed in this coming year and years to come oh wow i appreciate that so much and i appreciate having you know wonderful individuals like yourself who take the time out to share this information it's a love child of mine and you know outside of being a filmmaker, I, I really love talking cinema and love bringing that positive energy and also giving people a sense of inspiration because oftentimes, you know, this, this cinema thing is, is kind of, I don't know, it's, it's kind of put in a weird vacuum sometimes. It may seem very difficult to uh, really get a perspective of how to approach it and, and what people's experiences are like and, you know, what motivated them. And I think you'll find some really common interests there. So I just love when I have someone like you on the show who really just enjoys what they do, does a great job at it and is willing to share their, their source of inspiration with others. That means the world to me. Uh, yeah. You know, thank you. You know, I, I, I just, just because it came to me, like so much of what I enjoy about what I do and why I push so hard for what I want in this life, why I've fought any opposition in the earlier stages of, you know, me 
living out my life as a storyteller, although I have the full support of my parents now, mm-hmm. being, you know, first generation American, being aware of not only in my family, but in friends of mine, stories that I've heard of other people, I would be remiss not to mention just the, I am so aware that there's so many people that don't get to live out what they want to do in this life. Yeah, so true. You know, there's so many loved ones of mine who did not have this opportunity to make a choice for what they want to do with their life. Yeah. And so me being in the the year and time in which I've been born and what my family has, you know, afforded me to, to be able to be out in this world as a storyteller, as an actor, as a writer, a creator, I am always reminded that there are people who didn't get the opportunity to. Yeah. And so like you, part of the the unspoken part of why I do this is that I aspire that by me doing this, by me actually living out, by me actually pursuing, that someone else is inspired to pursue whatever their dream is. Absolutely. Whatever that thing is. Yeah. And whether it's in my in this field of entertainment, cinema, theater or not, like whatever that is, if me pursuing and living out mine can inspire someone else to job well done, like then I'm doing my job Um, because there's so many people that I don't know personally whose stories I've read that Mm -hmm. inspired me. And it's because they went for it. And so, you know, I totally agree with you when you say, you know, this love child of yours. And I I guess in some ways, each film and story that I'm a part of becomes that love child for me. Right. Because then by putting it out there, then I am doing, in fact, like what you were doing with this podcast, giving someone else insight um, and maybe seeing themselves in it or being inspired to do their own equivalent. and that's what I live for. Oh, I love that. That is what it's all about right there. So well said. And uh, God, I co-sign everything you said. And, and also, you know, just really appreciate your time. Obviously, we, we, we talk for quite a bit here. And I just want to just thank you for uh, really spending your time sharing your story with our listeners. I certainly would love to bring you back on the show for an update in the near future Gosh, with all the things you where you have going on, we might have to have forty different discussions. You're just moving and shaking in all the right ways. I want to thank our Shanae Williams as well. Gosh, I think it's time to uh, fade out here. What do you think? Absolutely, and thank you. And anytime you oh, have God. my number. All right. Well, it has been my pleasure. And ladies and gentlemen, that was Nia Fairweather. Make sure you check her out if you have not already done so. My. God, is she doing some amazing things. You talk about somebody who's electric and gripping and compelling on screen. Well, she's the real deal, folks. On that note, we will be back with more after this break. You are listening to the Cinema After Dark podcast. My name is Max Cole, and I host this show. I want to thank you all for tuning in tonight, and hopefully you are feeling inspired. It's been a wonderful time. If you're listening to the show, please subscribe. Just press that subscribe button in iTunes, or if you're using that podcast app, subscribe to us. We would greatly appreciate that. Also, please spread the word about this show. Show someone the uh, Twitter account we've got there, Cinema After Dark, or show them our website at cinemaafterdark.com. Again, thank you all for tuning in tonight. You can also find us on Stitcher, Google Play, and on TuneIn, so you can listen to us one of many ways. Again, thanks for listening to this show. 
We'll be back with more shortly. And welcome back to the program here tonight. Before we wrap, I want to thank our guest tonight, Miss Nia Fairweather. What a wonderful discussion that was. Make sure you keep her on your radar. Most importantly, I want to thank all of you for tuning in tonight. Obviously, this podcast is not a podcast without you listening. So please spread the word about this show. Show someone how to follow us on Twitter at Cinema After Dark. Show someone how to access this 